If you have a Bible this morning, find the book of Deuteronomy. It's right way towards the beginning of your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter number 8 is uh, where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're also going to go to Psalm chapter 23 and Philippians chapter 1. So we're a little bit around, around the, the place with this. Today is the second week in our Thanksgiving series of messages. That will go through next Sunday um, as well. Did you know that it's like officially Thanksgiving week? That this week is Thanksgiving. If you didn't get your turkey, you got to start thawing that thing already, by the way. So you need to go get that. Uh, all right. And so that is coming. Uh, the next time that we meet together, you are going to be a few pounds heavier. And uh, we're going to gather together next Sunday. And that's okay. All right. Uh, but we're excited. Thanksgiving is coming. But um, the Thanksgiving series, we've called it 21 Days of Feasting. 21 Days of Feasting, which is a play on words here because we see 21 Days of Fasting in the Bible. And feasting and fasting are very different things, aren't they? Um, fasting is where you go without, go without eating uh, for a, a season or, or a day or whatever for the purpose of seeking God specifically. You don't eat, you change your diet in some way, but that's not what we're doing here. We are... This is a series about gratitude and contentment. It's about remembering what God has done and what God has given us and, and just giving thanks. And we are using the word feast on purpose because if you didn't know this, most of the Bible is actually written about or to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people or the Israelites or the Hebrews, those are all kind of the same word in a way, um, They throughout their calendar were these uh, feasts of remembrance. It was their holidays were remembering what God had done in the past and celebrating that. And so they would gather together with their families, with their communities, sometimes for as many as an entire week. We need week-long holidays around here, don't we? Okay, but that's what they would, they'd have a week of feasting and celebrating all about remembering what God had done in the past. And it was these, these beautiful moments. And so that's why we're using the word, uh, the word feasting. And if you were here last Sunday, we talked about uh, how learning to remember the right things is just this root of, of living this deep down overflowing life of gratitude. And we set up for you a 21-day plan for you and your family, uh, if that's your situation, uh, or for even for those who are living all alone. We have that too. And, but just a plan to focus yourself on gratitude and contentment this season. Go ahead and put that next slide up here for me. I'm, we don't have time for this, but I'm going to go quickly. This was our plan for those who missed it. Uh, we, we have a Bible reading plan. You can find it on, a, on an app called Version. So good, 21 days uh, to cultivate a grateful heart, search that or ask someone younger than you if you can't figure it out, okay? Uh, we wanted to have intentional meals. We wanted to like bring back the family meal and to not just on Thanksgiving, but, but have times throughout the next three weeks where we prioritize gathering together as a family and we had, we had prayers that we're praying during that and little cards that we gave out so that people could help uh, have conversations, and if you did, were not here last week, you can find those cards in those packets. Uh, I think they're on our welcome center right on the other side, which is really full right now with Operation Christmas Child and Mission Trip and that too, okay? Uh, but we wanted, we were challenging, we challenged you to have a meal with one or two other families. Thanksgiving doesn't count, okay? Um, to start a gratitude journal and just begin to write every day, what are, what are the good 
things in your life. And we talked last week about the beauty of that and, and even in, with, as that pertains to mental illness and depression, anxiety, and counseling, that, that that is a universal thing of as we begin to switch our perspective and say, wow, God, I have so much. And it's not gonna fix all your issues and I understand that, that's not the point, but it's a, it's a great thing to do. Um, we wanted you to take communion in your home. Some of us come from cultures where you can't do that because communion is, has to be served by priests or different things like that. We don't see that in the Bible. And we feel communion is this beautiful moment where we gather with our families or our church family and we remember what Jesus has done. And that's the root of just taking communion. You can use whatever little elements as, as the body and the blood of Jesus that you want. And you just take that as your family and you just take a moment to remember the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Um, and then we have a Thanksgiving service and meal coming up November 27th. That's is that next week already? What's the day? That's next Sunday evening at 5.30. We're going to have a 30-minute Thanksgiving service where we're just going to sing some songs together. We're going to pray a little bit together, just give thanks. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to feast. Hopefully, you've recovered from Thursday enough to feast again on Sunday. This is going to be rough, isn't it? Yeah, all right. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, you look thin today. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Me and my wife and my family has been going through some of this stuff and doing this. It's been, it's been so great. That's all of an introduction, uh, but I'm excited to just take this to the next level today. In fact, today I want to show you three different pieces, three different people in the Bible who reference or talk about gratitude, giving thanks and praise in a little bit of a different way. We're going to talk about Moses, David, and the Apostle Paul, uh, and uh, I, am, I am fired up for this. Some, we're, going to get, we're going to kind of move up on the scale of difficulty and craziness in this service, and you'll see what that means in a moment. But three parts, three points, kind of three sermons all crammed into one, but I think we can learn so much. So let's begin by just praying together. Stand with me all over this place, and let's pray. Uh, and just invite God into this moment here today because uh, I believe this is going to be special. So Lord, we just invite you today to come and to move and to show us things and speak to our hearts. God, I, I pray that every person in this room would, would receive exactly what they need from you. For those that need encouragement, I pray that that would come. For those that need hope and are feeling like there is no hope, let so, somehow, God, let them know that there is hope in you. For, for those who are, who are wanting more of you, uh, Holy Spirit, in their lives, let's, let this be that. And so, God, we just pray and ask for your very word to come and move and speak and challenge and change and all that stuff. Use me, help me. Don't let this be my stuff, God, but I pray that you would, you would speak today. That's what we want, and it's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy, we're starting. We got to go right away. Okay, I know that because we got another service coming in and I got to get you out of here is the problem. Okay, no, I'm just playing. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we're going to start. Moses is our character uh, from the Bible. And before we read this, uh, let me give a little context to our story. The people of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, um, they had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. 
uh, horrible stuff. You can read about it in history. You can read about it in the Bible. Uh, but in their misery, the Israelites cried out to God. Uh, and God then sends this man named Moses who walks in and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Long story short, Pharaoh says, I don't know what you're smoking, Moses, but I ain't letting no one go. Okay, Supernatural stuff starts happening 10 plagues, okay, all this crazy things begin to happen. Finally, Pharaoh just says, get out of here. And a million, some, some scholars say up to 2 million Jews, Hebrew people, march out of the nation of Egypt all together in this big mob of people. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't know what to do. God is leading them supernaturally at times. In fact, miracles begin to happen. Uh, The Red Sea parts and they walk through the sea. Uh, They get hungry out in the middle of nowhere and, and all of a sudden it starts like snowing down pieces of bread. It's true. It's in the Bible, okay? Uh, And a bunch of quails start floating in, and they kill them and eat them. And it's like, wow, what is going on here? Uh, Water begins to come out of a rock for them to drink. And a million or two million, lots of people uh, begin to wander through this wilderness. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, the Bible says. They grumbled and complained a whole bunch. We don't like this bread that's falling from heaven. We want other stuff, God. It's true. You can, you know, they, they say things like, why did we ever leave Egypt? I know we were slaves, but at least we got to eat like goats and stuff there. Now we're out here in the middle of nowhere, but God is faithful to them. Uh, supernatural things, and after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they are on the brink of entering this land that God had promised them. The Bible calls it the promised land. Yeah, it's great, okay? Um, and it's going to be incredible, and it is right in front of them. Before, but before they go in, Moses, who is the one that has led them for these 40 years, he gathers the people, at least the leadership, and he gives this speech And uh, uh, that's what Deuteronomy chapter 8 is. So with all that in mind, let me show you this. And we're going to see some gratitude and some different things come up in this as we read it. He says this to these people. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out in the valleys and hills, and a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten, in verse 10, no, don't miss this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build fine houses, And settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength or in the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. That's massive and that's beautiful, but what's the point? Let's get to it really quick. The point is simply this. When you go into the new land and things start going super well for you and you start building homes and having bigger flocks and herds and all this type of stuff and you have more than you need, when all of that begins to happen, it's going to be quite easy for you to forget who was responsible for all this. And you're going to start saying, it is me who did all this. I'm the one who worked hard. I have done all this. Look at me and you will become proud and you will forget. When things begin to go well for you, you will be tempted to forget to remember. We talked about that. That's like the phrase we used last week. We, we oftentimes forget the things we should remember and we remember the things we should forget. That was last week. And verse number 10 is where we get Moses' answer to the whole problem here. The problem of forgetting when things go well for us. And this is, this is point number one if you're taking notes. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. The word praise here is often translated as the word bless. Uh, it's the, the idea is to acknowledge the fact that God did this, that God played a part in this, okay? To, to speak excellence about, to give honor to, to express gratitude to or towards is all that is. So number one, taken right from this verse, we thank God for the. That's the end of it. We thank God for the. Like, wait, what do you mean? For the what? That's not even a complete sentence. Like, pastor, you should have studied more. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, you want me to write down number one for the? Yeah, write it down. For the. Okay? This begins with us learning to thank God for the things we have, for the good. Okay? Uh, for what we have, for what he's done. This is basic level gratitude. It is the starting point. Uh, and Moses says to the people, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise God for the land, the good land that he has given you. Now, now people will often say this catchy phrase, and I've used it before, we must have an attitude of gratitude. You ever heard that? Like it rhymes, it's all cool, and that's fun, okay? Um, but understand, just having an attitude of gratitude is missing a big part of what gratitude is. L let me understand. Like, you don't teach your children to just have an attitude of gratitude when they're done at the dinner table. Like, no. We make them say it, don't we? Okay? You can I be done with my food? You know, like, okay, put, what do you say it to your mom? Or you, maybe you grew up like, and you're like, mom, thanks for making supper for me or whatever else. We want them to say it out loud, okay? And truly grateful people express their gratitude in different ways and at different times. Uh, we don't hold it in. They have to say it. Thank you for doing that. 
Thank you for that. Uh, And there's something about expressing gratitude, saying it out loud, declaring it. That is beautiful. Gratitude is meant to be expressed. It's not just meant to be something that is kept inside of you as some secret attitude that that you have. And so we learn, this is number one here, we're learning to thank God for the good. God, thank you for my children. God, thank you for the home that I get to live in. I know I whine about it sometimes and I don't like the paint color, but thank you that I have a place to live, God. This is incredible. Thank thank you for the food that I have to eat. I know I wish my cupboards had more better stuff in them, but you know, Oreos sounds fantastic right about now, but thank you, God, for the food that I, thank you, God, for clean water, water that doesn't make me sick. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you that I can go to my kitchen and turn on a magic lever and have clean, purified water that I can drink because much of the world does not have that. God, thank you for, thank you for legs that work. Thank you for eyes that can see. Thank you for Thanksgiving meals and Christmas cookies. God, truly thank you for what you've done for me and what you have given me. And, and as backwards as this sounds, the better things go for you and the more you have in your life, talking about like physical stuff that you have, the easier and smoother life gets for you, the more difficult it becomes to remember to give God thanks. We could say it this way if you're still confused, we're, I'm, and I'm, each one of these I'm gonna have like the, uh, a weird version that's gonna be an incomplete sentence and then I'm gonna say it in a different way. Number one, we thank God for his provision. We thank God for his provision. Okay, let's move on. That was, that was Moses. Now let's look at David. Flip, flip in your Bible to the, to the middle, uh, Psalm 23. Okay, famous passage of scripture. Some of you can quote it. Okay, that was Moses. Now we get to David. David is a famous Bible character. He killed a giant. Maybe you heard that story before. Okay, he eventually will be the king of Israel. Uh, and what's cool about David is that we have David's story in history in like, some of the books of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, Samuel, and different things, but we also have all this stuff that he wrote. It's like we have access to his journal, in a way, and that's the book of Psalms, and so it's a cool thing that we have about David, but one of those is Psalm 23. Uh, It's often read at funerals and stuff like that. It'll sound familiar as we read it for just about everybody, but Psalm 23, verse 1. Now, we're getting to number two here, okay? It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful, intimate portion of scripture that David writes out to God. And in it we find point number two, and that is this. We thank God even though. Thank God even though. Like that's not even a whole sentence. You want me to write that down? Yeah, write that down. Thank God even though. Got it? Even though. And we take this from verse number four. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. See, see, thanking God for the in our life is actually quite basic. In fact, it's kind of like, like in the, in, if we were ranking all this stuff, we could call that elementary school gratitude. To say, God, thanks for the stuff I have. Grandma, thanks for the sweater you gave me. That's elementary school stuff here. It's super important, and don't miss that, and do that. It's massive that we do that stuff. Show appreciation, and that can change a perspective, but that's elementary school. Listen, I'm going to say it this way. I don't want to just be the kind of Christian that only thanks God when he's serving me. You hear that? Okay? There's more to this, and, we, and, and like we move on with gratitude to a different level, and some of like, we need to graduate out of elementary school gratitude and begin to take this in a different place, and this level is learning to praise God even though things in my life are not good, even though I'm in the middle of something difficult even though it feels like the wheels are kind of falling off right now. But listen to me, when you, when you begin to see this play out in your life and you begin to learn to express gratitude to God even in the midst of the darkest valley, like I'm telling you, you can have all hell break loose in your life and you can still be singing songs like, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. Okay, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. In 1871, okay, this guy named Horatio, Horatio wrote this song after his life absolutely fell apart. Famous hymn, many of you grew up singing this, you know the words of this song. Let me tell you his story, but we gotta go quick. Okay, him and his wife lost their four-year-old son to scarlet fever. They were devastated. They were devastated as their four-year-old little boy died. Thinking a vacation would help, uh, the family, which included Horatio, his wife, and their four daughters, set out on a trip across the ocean. Uh, But at last minute, Horatio was forced to stay behind because of an unexpected business situation. Long story short, the plan was for him to come on a ship after them. Long story short, that ship that with his wife and his four daughters never made it across the ocean and his four daughters were lost at sea, but his wife survived. She sends a telegram to her husband that just read, saved alone, what should I do? And he books a passage on the next available ship, sets out to join his grieving wife, and he sits down on that ship on the ocean, and he pens the words to this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Even though my heart is broken, I will still give thanks. Even though I lost my family, God, I will still praise you. Even though I'm going through hell right now, God, I will still give you thanks. Why do we give thanks in the middle of the storm? Okay, it's because of this. We can thank God for his presence. We can thank God for his presence. Not like Christmas presents, if you're missing this up, okay? Okay, we thank God for his presence. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You hear that? 
because you are with me. See, God never promises that as Christians, everything in your life is going to go smooth and everything is going to be perfect. God never promises that bad things won't happen and that people won't die and that you won't get sick. That is not the promise from the scripture. In fact, Jesus, out of his very mouth, would say things that are very opposite to that. Jesus would say things like, you will suffer in this world. You will suffer. But the promise, the promise isn't that we won't experience nasty things. The promise as Christians is that God will be with us and that he will use these things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is the promise. And we can learn to not only be grateful for God's provision, not only to be grateful for what he's done and the things we have and all of that type of stuff, but we can also learn to just be grateful to a God who is with us in the middle of the storm. And we can learn to say, even though I will still respond with gratitude. Not a whole lot of us are clapping. And in doing so, understand though, we move from more of an elementary school version of gratitude, grandma, thank you for my sweater, to something a little bit different. This is like high school graduation gratitude right here is what we have. Thank you, God, for your presence, even though things are hard. Now, quickly to number three. And these are getting more difficult the farther we get. If the first one is elementary school gratitude and the second is high school, we're pretty much skipping like to full PhD with this third one. In fact, like I'm not sure any of us in this place, me included, pastors included, have really fully grasped the level of this. And this is the Apostle Paul. Find the book, find the book of Philippians that's way to the right. We're gonna be in chapter number one, okay? Told you three sermons in one and I'm trying to, I'm trying to rock through this quick. Moses says, we thank God for the good. We thank God for his provision. David talks about even though, even though, I will thank God for his presence in my life. Now we get to the Apostle Paul, uh, the New Testament part of the Bible, which is part that comes after the life of Jesus. Philippians chapter one, starting in verse 12. Let me read this to you quick, and we're gonna burn through this, okay? He writes this, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former priest cries out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. What is going on here? Paul is in prison and he's writing a letter to a group of people in a city called Philippi in the Roman Empire. Paul's in prison for being a Christian. He's in prison because he won't keep his mouth shut. And he's traveling around the Roman Empire saying, hey, Caesar ain't Lord, y'all. Jesus is Lord. And they don't like that very much. And they put him in prison multiple times. And he writes this letter and he talks about prison. He talks about his change. And where we're taking this today is verse, verses 14 and verses 18. We see this. 14, because of my chains, 
Most of the brothers and sisters become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. Verse 18, the important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Because of my change, good things are happening. Because of this, I rejoice. Okay, other Christians are becoming more confident in Christ is being preached. Number three, are you ready? Write this down if you're taking notes. We thank God because of, because of. That doesn't make any sense. How do we thank God because of? Okay, let me explain quickly. Listen, it's one thing to thank God for his presence in the midst of our storm, in the midst of the difficult things in life, but it's a completely different level when you begin to thank God for the difficult things in your life. This is not gonna make any sense for a whole lot of us in this place. How in the world and why in the world am I gonna thank God for bad stuff that happens in my life? This doesn't make any sense very simply because you trust in in God and your trust in God is to the point where you know something. What is it that you know? You know that your difficult stuff actually will be used to bring God glory. And so you begin to say thank you to God when bad comes. When bad, this is the story of Paul. He's in prison, he's suffering alone, he's been beaten, multiple attempts have been made on his life. He was, he was beaten to a, a, just short of death, dragged out of a city and left there. Okay? Like, and he takes a step back from all of this and he says, thank you God for my suffering because of what it's accomplishing for your glory. Because of what it's, it's, it's being accomplished, this is PhD level gratitude right here. And we see this in the Bible. Most Christians never touch this way of thinking. As we say, and our, and, as, the, as the priority in our life is to get through life with the least amount of pain and the least amount of suffering we can. And the scripture just says, wow, God is glorified in our messes and our most difficult things are actually used for his glory and all of that. I praise you because of my suffering because I know it will bring you glory. First, we thank God for his provision. Second, we thank God for his presence. Now we learn to thank God for his purpose. We thank God for his purpose. And for some of us, you cannot even begin to imagine the idea of giving God thanks when you go through horrible things. This makes no sense and contradicts everything you could ever think about life. But we thank God for his provision. God, I thank you for the good. God, I thank you for what I have. God, I thank you for what you have done. We thank God for his presence. God, even though I am in the midst of this valley, even though I'm in the midst of this, I thank you, God, for you are with me in this, and we thank God for his purpose. God, I thank you for the difficult junk that I face, because I know you will be glorified in all of that. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's nuts. Music team, will you please come? The bottom line in all this today is just very simply like when we have the right outlook on, in life, every moment becomes an opportunity for gratitude. Every moment. Everything you do, everywhere you go, everything that happens to you biblically becomes a moment for us to say, God, I praise you and I thank you. 
an opportunity for gratitude. The good things, the bad things, the difficult things, the blessings in life, biblically, we can be grateful in all of that. And as, as we close this morning, um, I asked the music team to actually play a song for us. And so this is going to be a little bit different than normal. We're not going to stand and sing together. Instead, I want us, we're just going to take just a couple minutes to sit and to listen and to reflect. And so, God, we, God, we come to you today with our hearts moved by you and your very word. And Lord, I pray, even as we listen to the words of this song, God, that you would continue what you have started, that you teach us and help us and hold us and change us and all of that. So we give this to you, God. In your name we pray. Praises to you, I will sing. I 
was weak, so I will sing This is how I thank the Lord for everything This is how I thank the Lord And this is how I thank the Lord for loving me and keeping me So I will sing This is how I thank the Lord for everything This is how I thank the Lord Stand with me. God, we, we acknowledge you in this place. We acknowledge you in our lives. We respond to your word today with gratitude for what we have. God, don't let us forget as our homes get bigger and our lives become smoother and we have more and more in this world. Don't let us, don't let us forget, God, what you have given us what you have done for us. And so in this moment, even right now, we just respond by saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you have done and for what we have. We're grateful, God, for that. Though we don't say it enough, we are grateful, God. And God, I also pray and give thanks for your presence in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our darkest valleys, in the midst of our most difficult seasons in life, when people we love pass away and when we get diagnosis stuff from doctors and when we lose jobs and have issues and situations, Lord, we thank you that you are with us. Every moment, whether we feel it, whether we acknowledge it, whether we can see it, we know, God, and we give thanks that you are there right next to us every step of this journey. And God, I also just pray that we would begin to graduate to a different level here, God, and begin to have your glory be in mind and in view, which produces in us the ability to say, God, I thank you for the bad stuff because I know what it produces in my life as it strengthens me and as it grows me and as it, it, it brings me to you in ways like never before, but God also that just that you are glorified and people see you in the midst of some of this and you, and you are preached around the world because of the suffering of some. And so Lord, we just give you thanks today. And God, we also pray for some in this room today and some behind a screen in this moment who have never responded to the message of Jesus. And this is all new, God, not talking about being baptized or confirmed or going to church, but this deep down relationship with you, a personal thing. In fact, if that's you today, maybe you're here and maybe you've walked through these doors and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. A message that God loves you so much he sent his son to die so that you could be forgiven and free and reconciled with him. And the Bible says if you will put your trust in him, then you can be saved. That's the word. You can be forgiven and free. And if you're here today and you would just say simply, I have never made that decision and I want to do that today, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you want to respond to the message of Jesus today. If you're watching online behind a screen, you can respond to that as well. It's a heart thing between you and God. Thank you. Thank you. You can put that hand down. Anybody else? Let's say, this is my day. Church, let's just pray together. Everyone in this place, let's pray. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. 
thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, forgive me of my sins, and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, can you put your hands together? Let's just celebrate today. God, as we walk out these doors today, let us be more aware of you than ever before. Your presence with us, what you have done, who you are in our lives. We give you this day, this moment, and all that we have and all that we are. Change us, challenge us, move us, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said?